Hey folks, Pastor Eric Tritton here from Gloria Day Lutheran Church in Hudson, Ohio. Thanks for taking a moment to be with me uh, on this little program that uh, we're going to call uh, A Weekly Word. Uh, we're going to call it A Weekly Word because uh, I intend to do this every week, uh, but also I want to focus us on the Word. Uh, I want this to be a word of encouragement, maybe a word of education, um, but most importantly that this focus on the Word, uh, Jesus, uh, the, the Word made flesh for us to deliver God's love and forgiveness to us. So in that light uh, that the Word has been made flesh, we are very much at the end of the Christmas season as I'm recording this. And I think through all of these different Christmas traditions that I've rejoiced in and, and enjoyed over the years, and one of the neat opportunities that I had when I was in college was to be part of a festival that's called the Boar's Head Festival. The Boar's Head Festival is an English tradition that is a, um, a Christmas pageant, only very fancy. Uh, and uh, part of that Christmas pageant is the visit of the Magi. Now, I was in the choir when... I got to participate in, in the boar's head. And uh, we sang this song during the visit of the Magi that was called Kings to Thy Rising. And this song, all, all, the, all the lights would be dimmed in, in the whole chapel. A spotlight would be on the, the different Magi as they're coming in. And uh, we would sing this song that had this really deep and stately and noble and mysterious sound to it. I've actually put a, uh, a link to a recording of it in the blog page that you could listen to a, another choir uh, singing this. But it, it's just this beautiful moment as the wise men with their, their servants, they come forward and, and they, they present their gifts. This visit of the wise men is commemorated in the church through a holiday, a holy day, that's called Epiphany. Uh, Epiphany is January 6th every year, and the word Epiphany itself means for light to shine. And I think that's such a wonderful name for this, this holiday and for the season that follows it. Because when you think about the wise men coming, they're guided by the light of a star, they, they come to Jesus, who is the light of the world, and they show us that uh, this light is for all people, and it's a light that comes to us, that we too could bow down to Jesus and share that light with others. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous holiday, um, and it's a fulfillment of prophecy. Even a prophecy that was made uh, as soon as when, when Jesus was 40 days old, when Simeon, uh, the old man in the temple, takes Jesus in his hands and looks at him and says that he is a light to lighten the Gentiles. That here is salvation, not just for the people of Israel, but for all people who will believe in him. And that's, that's kind of part of the scandal of, of Epiphany and the scandal of the visit of the, the wise men because they are Gentiles. And they come and, and they're welcomed there and they give their gifts and they, they worship the one true God in Jesus. Um, 
there's another scandal here, though, too, in that these wise men, uh, the, the Greek word that we translate wise men is that they are, they are magi. And that word magi is our root for the word magic. They're magicians. They're sorcerers, definitely astrologers. They're people who would look at the stars and try to predict the future. Um, and uh, uh, that is something that's strictly forbidden in the scriptures, to try to, uh, to predict the future, even by looking at the stars to try to predict that future. And so here they are, these terrible sinners, uh, and, and they come there, and they're welcomed at Jesus' uh, feet in order to, to offer their gifts, to offer their worship. Now, there are some misconceptions about the, these wise men, and I want to I hit some of these with you. Uh, first of all is the question of how many were there. Tradition tells us that there were three. That really only comes from the fact that there are three gifts. We don't know how many magi came. Uh, there's a, a, a beautiful painting. I believe it was by an artist named Tissot, um, T-I-S-S-O-T, if you want to try to look this up. Uh, and, and there's just this long line of camels coming across the desert, and they're the wise men coming to seek Jesus. There could have been very many of them. There could have been only two. Uh, we do know that there was more than one. Uh, there's some traditions regarding their names. We don't know their names. They're not recorded for us. Um, some people wonder how it is that they could know that there would be this star that would, would come and they would come from the east in order to, to visit this newborn king of the Jews. Um, that one's a little bit easier to answer, actually, uh, because we know that one of the magi of old was the prophet Daniel that we have a whole book about in the Old Testament. He was one of the wise men from Babylon, uh, from the east, and so these guys are probably in the same tradition as Daniel was. And they probably had copies of the Old Testament, some of these prophecies that he would have used to, uh, to teach others. So even though it's long after Daniel is gone, um, he was probably such an influential um, magi, influential wise man, that that tradition carried on after him. Um, I keep saying that wise men are magi, um, but there's a tradition that these guys were kings. Not as far as we can tell from the text. Maybe, but what's clear is that they were wealthy men uh, who brought very expensive gifts. Um, and then there's also this tradition uh, that we find in a lot of our nativity scenes that shows the wise men offering their gifts at the manger. When you read the text for this in Matthew, um, it actually says that the Holy Family has moved into a house and, and that they offer their gifts to him there. And we know that when Herod sends his soldiers to, uh, to kill all the, ba the boys under the age of two, um, it, it's probably very likely that uh, Jesus is probably in that age group between one and two years old. Um, in, in addition, there is all kinds of symbolism that is attached to these gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. 
And uh, a lot of ink has been spilled over uh, the meaning of each of these gifts and what do they point to. Um, one of the ones that makes the most sense to me is that gold represents that he's a king and it's a kingly gift. Frankincense reminds us that Jesus is a priest uh, because frankincense was burned in worship. Um, myrrh points us ahead to Jesus' death. He was given myrrh on the cross. Um, understand, though, when you hear those explanations, this is why those gifts were given, um, we, we are importing that to those gifts. We don't actually know. There's nothing wrong with that, you know, to, to use those as a, uh, um, a stepping off point to consider these important parts of Jesus' life and ministry. But the text does not say that he gave gold because or gave frankincense because. We're bringing that meaning in, into the text as we read them. Now, when the wise men came seeking Jesus, they asked a very important question as they sought him out. And that question was, where is he who is born king of the Jews? This idea of the king of the Jews, it's very much rooted in God's promise of sending a savior. And they come looking, they come asking, where is he? Now, it says that they were guided by a star and that they came to Jerusalem. And that makes a lot of sense that they would come to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the capital of Israel. It's where King Herod had his palace. And so for them to come to seek a newborn king of the Jews, um, you probably go look at the old king's palace because he's probably a, a prince. But they don't find him there. In fact, they lose sight of the star there. At least it seems that way as you read through the text. And they have to find him through a, a, another guiding light. And so King Herod calls together the priests and they look at the prophecies and they know that there is a prophecy that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, just a few miles away from Jerusalem. And it's interesting that as the wise men leave Jerusalem, once again the star appears to them and it guides them to the house where they find Jesus and they give the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh and they bow down and, and they worship him. But it's the prophecy of the word that actually points them to where they need to go to find this newborn king of the Jews. This question, where is he, is still an important question for us. There's a temptation to look at Jesus as a historical figure, to leave his story in the past and then to kind of try to glean wisdom from it and, and to guide our lives by it or, or things like that. But the message of the gospel is that this one who was born, king of the Jews, this one that is God in human flesh, who has come to be Emmanuel, to be God with us, that he grew up he died to atone for our sins. He has risen from the dead. He ascended into heaven and he lives and reigns to all eternity. And he is going to come back again someday. He is still active in our lives. He's active in this world. His spirit is at work in his people and he's at work in this world to draw people to the light 
that is Jesus, the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So where is he? Where do we find Jesus today? We often talk about this as uh, the place to seek Jesus is in the means of grace, the vehicles that God promises to deliver his grace to us. And so where do we find Jesus? We find Jesus in the word. Whether that's us reading it alone or reading it together, Jesus is there in the word. He is the word made flesh for us. Uh, we, we find him uh, in the word when it's preached and when it's taught. We find Jesus in the word that speaks absolution to us. Whether it's the pastor from the front of the church saying, I forgive you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Or whether it's you know, in a family and parents forgiving their children and children forgiving their parents or in friendships. When we speak forgiveness in Jesus' name, Jesus is there. He's present in the, the uh, mutual consolation and conversation of the brethren. Whenever the people of God are gathered together, when we're speaking about him, when we're speaking the word together, Jesus is there. Remember, he himself said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. So, so we find Jesus in the word. We find it when it's being shared, uh, when he's being shared among believers. We might call that he's found in the church. Uh, he's also found in the sacraments, in baptism, in in the Lord's Supper, because these sacraments, they're not just water and they're not just bread and wine, but in baptism, we find the water uh, connected to the word of God. We find the bread and the wine in the Lord's Supper uh, connected to Jesus' command and promise, his word. And so we find Jesus in these gifts and he's at work to deliver his forgiveness and his salvation to us. And so, as we go through this season of Epiphany, and we think about this light that shines in the darkness, it's really key for us to remember that God's purpose in sending Jesus is to make himself known. That Jesus shines as a light in order to draw us to God and to reveal, to shine light on, uh, the fact that God comes in love and in forgiveness to bring salvation for sinners, even the most scandalous among us. So in this epiphany, we're going to look for Jesus among us as we gather in the church, as we gather around the word and the sacraments and, and as he does that, that work in us. And here at Gloria Day, the, the sermons in, in Epiphany are, are going to be about being the church and, and about that light that shines among us and in us so that we might take hold of God's promises. But there's another aspect to Epiphany too, not just that the light shines for us in the church, but the light shines through us, the church, through the church for the world. So, the light shines in the whole body of believers when we're gathered together or when we're out on our own. We're always part of this body that is the people of God, that is the church. 
and the light shines wherever we share this word, wherever we share the hope that we have in Jesus. And an important part of that message that God delivers to us through his word is that sinners are welcome. The scandalous will be received because Emmanuel, God is with us, because incarnation, God has come in human flesh to bear our sin, because we're looking back at what God has done, and we know what Jesus has accomplished for us at the cross, through the tomb, and what he will accomplish for us on the last day when he comes again. So we let his light shine in us. The light that he shines among us through the word and the sacraments shines through us that others may know and believe too. So, happy Epiphany. Enjoy your wise men. Uh, enjoy your three kings cake or however you celebrate this festival. But remember that the heart and the core is that Jesus is the light of the world. And that light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never overcome it. He's come for you. Amen.